0: for giving us Bibles, your holy word. And thank you that your word points us to you, to you, the Trinitarian God, and especially to God the Son who died for sinners on Calvary's cross. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us while we were yet in our sins and offering yourself a sacrifice, a vicarious atoning sacrifice for fallen and ruined sinners like us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that freely by your grace and through our faith, you confer upon us the forgiveness of our trespasses. You remove our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. You bury them in the depths of the sea. All through your shed blood, we bless you. We bow before you. We worship you and honor you. We know that in this past week, we have committed sins of omission, Failed to do things we should have done. We've committed sins of commission, done things we should not have done. We're thankful that when we confess our sins to you, and we do now, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is still the day of grace. And pray that sinners in our building today and all over this globe where your name is lifted up, Would you pour out the Holy Spirit of redemption and effectually call them to yourself that they may believe on you and find life. Now strengthen us to hear your word with good soil hearts, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I don't usually start a sermon by referring to something in a TV series but I'm gonna do it today. But I'm picking an old series. That makes it more sanctified, right? An old series. So how many of you remember Lost in Space? You remember that? Lost in Space. Whole bunch of you are like, Lost in what? What was that? Lost in Space was a good old TV series. And there was a robot, you remember the robot? What would the robot say? danger, danger. And one time, I didn't know this, but I read about it this week. One time he actually said, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Sometimes his arms would come out like this, danger, danger. And when the robot said danger, he was never crying wolf. There was always danger. I think he's playing like a dog role, like dogs know danger. And they warn the master. That's kept many a master alive down through time. So I think this was the, the, he looked like more humanoid, but he, he, he was warning of danger. In our passage, the author is warning of danger, and he's not crying wolf. This is the first of many serious warning passages in the book of Hebrews. He's warning. He's warning you about a very real possibility that you might drift away from Christ, that you might neglect the gospel. And he addresses this danger head on, straight up, no artificial sweetener. So we're going to go at it head on, straight up. Verse 1, Hebrews 2, 1. Let's look at it again. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Therefore. Therefore is in light of what he just laid down in chapter 1. What did he lay down in chapter 1? Let's remind ourselves. He showed us how Christ is superior to Moses, and Christ is superior to the old covenant law, and Christ is superior to the old covenant, and Christ is superior to the angels that accompanied the bringing and the giving of the law and the covenant. Christ is superior. He's better. Seven times in the book of Hebrews, better, 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 seven times. Therefore, in light of what we saw in chapter 1, what do we do? Here's what he wants us to do. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Why? Lest we drift away from it. What do we do? God, in this portion of his holy word, tells you he wants you to pay much closer, closer than, closer than they did. If they paid attention to the law of Moses and the old covenant, you better really pay attention to Jesus Christ and the new covenant, old covenant, new covenant. Therefore, we must pay closer attention than they did. Closer attention to what? To what we have heard. Pay closer attention to God's revelation through Jesus Christ. Now, let me remind you quickly that we only have, we only know God's revelation about and through Jesus Christ, through his apostles. There's none of this, I hold to Jesus, but not the apostles. The apostles told you about Jesus. The apostles wrote the books about Jesus. You only know Jesus. You only have Jesus because of his carefully chosen, spirit-empowered apostles, And he's saying here, we must pay much closer attention to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, book of Revelation, all the way through, as well as still paying attention to the old covenant, the law, because it's the word of God as well. But we must pay very close attention, God wants you to pay very close attention to his revelation through Jesus Christ. Now, there are many other New Testament and Old Testament scriptures that tell you to do this very thing. Let me give you just a few. Paul writes to Timothy in the pastoral epistles. Timothy is a pastor in his 30s. Paul's an older man. He's mentoring Timothy, and he says, Timothy, do this. Look to yourself and to the teaching or doctrine. Look to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in this, for in so doing, you will save yourself and those who hear you. He's telling Timothy, Pay attention to yourself. What's really going on in my soul? Where am I really with Christ? What's really honestly going on in my life? What are my loves? What are my passions? Are they God-oriented and kingdom? Pay attention to yourself and pay attention to the doctrine. Am I believing the doctrine? Am I doing the doctrine? Am I applying the doctrine? Not a hearer only who deceives my, myself. Paul to Timothy. Pay attention. Dare I say it? I'll say it. Closer attention than you pay to the ravens. Amen? Like no comparison, right? I mean, yay ravens. I hope they win today, and then I hope they win the next one. I'll be thrilled. But compared to Jesus Christ, yeah, like way closer attention. What else do you tend to pay attention to? Your dog. You ought to pay way closer attention to the message we've heard from Jesus Christ than you pay to your dog. I love dogs. Dogs are amazing. Closer attention to Christ. Pay closer attention to the next episode that you're waiting for to get released in your Netflix series. Can't wait till it comes out on Thursday. I understand that. No. Closer to Christ. Pay closer attention to your retirement, to Jesus Christ, than to your retirement investments. Are retirement investments legit? Yes, now that I'm getting, you know, I'm 69, I'm thankful that when I was 30, they told me, you got to start investing, and we did. And it's built, and it's built, and it's built, and now it's like 35 bucks or something. Yeah. But pay closer attention to your soul, to the word of God, to the things we have heard, and to Jesus Christ, than you pay attention to any of those things. What are we supposed to pay attention to? Look at the verse again. To what we have heard. What we have heard, my friends, is words. Words written by the apostles of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to pay very close attention to these words. Words the things we have heard, the message that has been preached to us from this word, the word of God. Pay very attention, very close attention, pardon me, to the word of God. Now, let me make a kind of an application right now. I want you to understand, please understand, the Christian life is not one of following my feelings about God. The Christian life is not Subjective. Oh, God did this. Now I really understand and believe He loves me. Well, what are you gonna do when God does the other thing, which it wasn't what you wanted? Are you then gonna understand that He loves? How do you really understand that He loves you in Christ from His Word? It's a word-based faith. It's not an experiential, it's not a oh, God did this and God did that, and I'm feeling the other, and it's so wonderful. No, it's not that at all. You're in trouble. It's word-based. I've read it in scripture and I've received it in faith and I base my life upon it and I walk by it and it's the word of God and yet if he slay me will I praise him. It's that. So you want a word-based faith, not a feelings-based faith. You want a word-based, objective walk with God, not a feelings-based, subjective walk with God. I hope you have lots of strong and powerful feelings about God, your love for him, your passion for him and his kingdom, but they come as a result of what is said in his word, generated in your heart through love, right? I hope you have lots of feelings, but I hope they're not leading you around your feelings, you're in trouble. The text says, "Pay it close attention to what what you have heard." Words. What did Jesus Christ say? "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." And He's God the Son being tempted by the devil. He says, "I'm going to quote three times." He says, "It is written, it is written, it is written." He quotes from which book of the Bible? Deuteronomy. So how would your Christian life fare if it depended on your ability to quote from the book of Deuteronomy? We'd all be in trouble, right? Pay close attention to what you have heard. This is what God wants for you. All right, you might ask, how? What would that look like if I'm paying close attention to God's word? What would a life of close attention to God's word look like? Let me give you some ideas pretty obvious. No rocket science here. One is if you can read and if you can afford a Bible, it's probably all of you, read God's word. Read it. I'm paying very close attention to it. I never read it. I daydream my way through the sermons. Friend, you're not paying close attention to God's word. Read it. You probably have six Bibles in different translations on your shelves pull one down, blow off the dust, gain some profit, feed your soul, read it frequently, carefully, lovingly, joyfully, prayerfully, meekly. James says, receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your soul. One of you and I, honestly, right now, I don't remember who, I'm sorry. One of you wrote me last week. Well, a whole lot of you wrote me last week. That's what happens every week but one of you wrote me and said, I bought a new ESV study Bible, and and I'm reading a couple chapters in the Old Testament every day and a couple chapters in the New Testament every day. Bless you. Bless you. That's it. How do I pay close attention to God's Word? Well, read it. Here's a second way to pay close attention to God's Word, what you're doing right now. Gather with the people of God and pay attention, actually pay attention to the sermon. All right, forget I'm the guy preaching it, right? Whoever's preaching, pay close attention to the sermon. This is prime time when God wants to speak to you through his word. Prime time. You're like, one of the reasons you can quote the psalmist, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. One of the reasons you can quote the psalmist in that is because you're glad because, oh boy, we're going to get to hear another sermon. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2. I can't wait to hear Hebrews chapter 2. Lord, help our poor pastor. He's pathetic. But feed me through his word, through your word, that is. Gather for worship to hear God's word. That is one of the primary venues in which you're supposed to pay close attention to the sermons. During the sermon, may I recommend, do not spend the 40 minutes Counting the holes in the ceiling tiles in the ceiling because we don't have any holes in ceiling tiles. What kind of a church is that? See, we eliminated that possibility. And insist on God's word in the sermons. Insist on a meaty diet of God's word. Insist on actual exegesis, drawing out the meaning and delivering it to you and applying it to you. Here's another thing that we might see in you if you're paying close attention to the message that we have heard, you will be, if you're paying attention, you'll be keenly interested. Are you ever keenly interested in something and you really, you really listen? Let's imagine you go on a cruise in the Bahamas and uh oh, I'm gonna make this really dumb. We hit an iceberg. All right, there's no iceberg. We hit a rock, we hit something. And we're going down. And so the captain comes on and he says, attention, everybody, we're headed down to Davy Jones' locker, but here's what's going on. There are lifeboats. Are you listening? Oh, you're listening like you've never listened in all your life, right? You want to hear every single word. I want to know exactly what I'm supposed to do here. Where do I go? How do I get in the lifeboat? So so on and so forth. You are listening to God's word for your never-dying soul. You want to listen keenly, like your life depends upon it, because it does. Let me kind of summarize from a great old confession of faith, the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. I love it. I love it. And in it, the opening section is 10 paragraphs on the doctrine of the Word. The 10th of those paragraphs I'm going to put up before you. Here it is. They write, the supreme judge by which all controversies of religion are to be determined, and all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, doctrines of men, and private spirits by which they are to be examined, and in whose sentence we are to rest can be no other but the holy scripture delivered by the spirit into which scripture so delivered. Our faith is finally resolved. It's a good word. It's a good word. Here's a shorter thing about it from Isaiah, Isaiah 820. He says, to the law and to the testimony, for if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. To the law and to the testimony, pay careful attention to it. All right, so you all got that. You're a believer in Christ. Bless the Lord. Your sins have been washed through his shed blood. Praise God. You have the free gift of everlasting life Christ purchased for you in his cross work. And he gave it to you when you called upon his saving name. Bless the Lord. Now you have a life to live and you have a Christ to follow and you have sins to mortify and you have a busy devil and an alluring world and a deceitful heart that's desperately wicked above all things and who can know it? And with all that going on, you want to faithfully follow Jesus Christ. How am I going to do this? He's telling you, pay careful attention to the things you've heard. All right, what comes next? We're still in verse 1. Let's go on. Look at it again. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Why? Why? Lest we drift away from it. Why is it important, crucial, that you pay careful attention to the things you have heard? Here's why. Lest you drift away from it. Down in verse 3, he's going to use a different term, but same idea. Lest you neglect this so great salvation. We'll stick with the word drift. The Greek word drift is parareo. And it can mean two different things that are the same basic thing, though. It's sometimes used in the first century out there in normal life outside of the Bible of something slipping, like, like a ring slipping off of your ring finger. A couple years ago, my dad told me he lost his wedding ring. They'd probably have been married, I don't know, I'm guessing 67 years then. And he lost his wedding ring. He thought it when he was out mowing the lawn, he's got an acre plot. He'll never find that ring, so all right. So he bought another one. A year later, he was down in the basement working on his workbench, and he looked under the workbench, and there was the ring. It had slipped off his finger. That's how this word is sometimes used in the not-Bible world of the first century. And so, you can slip away from Christ. The word is also used in a nautical sense, like You're a ship. There's no anchor. You're drifting out to sea. It's used that way as well. You're slipping off of Christ. You're drifting away from Christ. You profess him, but you're drifting away. What's out there? Where are you going when you're drifting away? And let me tell you what's out there. Unbelief and apostasy and darkness and heresy and a Christless life and a Christless eternity. You see why he's warning us? It's not just there won't be any more ice cream if you drift out there. No, you won't have any more Christ and no more eternity in heaven. You'll be in hell. Now, let me say this. A real Christian can sort of drift partway away from Christ. A real Christian can drift away into some sin. A real Christian can drift partway into some error, into ungodly thinking, into ungodly living, but will never drift all the way away from Christ and will come back to him. A real Christian, one who's regenerated by the Spirit of God, a new creature in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away, all things have become new. By the grace of God, by the power of God, They are kept. 1 Peter 1, 5, kept by the power of God through faith unto a salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. You're kept by the power of God through faith. Or, amen, or Romans chapter 8, nothing, and then he gives a whole bunch of examples of what he means by nothing, and they include everything. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Say amen again. Amen. Amen. Or John chapter 10, I love this, Jesus says, verse 28, my sheep, he knew who they were, the Father gave them to him, he's going to lay his life down for them, he's going to raise them up at the last day, every one of them, they're specific people, and he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I give unto them everlasting life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one can pluck them out of his hand. If you're regenerate, if you've truly believed in the Lord Jesus, if your sins are forgiven, if you have everlasting life, you are held in the hand of Jesus Christ. That's a pretty powerful sovereign hand, and also held in the hand of God the Father, another very powerful sovereign hand. You're in Christ, man. You're not drifting away. You're not slipping all the way off First John 5 4 For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you've been born of God, you'll keep on believing. You'll keep on trusting for Jesus Christ as your God and Savior. You cannot drift away. You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot cease to persevere and follow Jesus Christ. God's seed remains in you, and that seed produces life. That seed is the Holy Spirit. But, having said that, a pseudo-Christian, one who professes but does not possess, can fall all the way away from, can drift all the way away from, can fall all the way off of, their former profession of Christ. That is the big concern of the author. Lest you drift away from the things you have heard. Drift away, all the way away. That's his big concern. It's of concern when a believer starts to drift a little ways. It's of great concern when they say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into Jesus anymore. I've deconstructed my faith, and now I'm in there way over in some other ungodly, awful place. That's what he's concerned about. Let me show you some people in the New Testament who drifted away, who slipped off, who neglected 1 John 2. He's going to talk about people who left church. Now, let me just make it real clear first. He's not talking about people who left one church because they disagreed with some little thing and they went to another church. Not that. What he's talking about is people who left all churches, who said, I'm done with that. I'm walking away from Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. And he speaks of them, 1 John 2, 19, and he says, They went out from us, but they were not of us, not true believers. For if they had been of us, regenerate, born again, they would have continued with us in one church or another, but they went out that it might become plain manifest that they all are not of us. Then he turns to the people who are true believers. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. You have the Holy Spirit. And you have all knowledge, the knowledge you need for salvation, to stay in Christ, that Jesus is the sinless Son of God. You have that by the Spirit of God illuminating your soul. There are people who went away from Christ. There are people who will stay with Christ. Let's look at another one who went away, 2 Timothy 4.10. Paul had a helper, a co-worker, who left Paul. Paul writes, Demas has forsaken me. Why? What did he leave Paul for? Having loved this present world. Can you imagine that? You're with the apostle Paul as he's doing ministry. Maybe he just raised somebody from the dead he's proclaiming the word of God. He just wrote Romans. You got to read it before it got sent. I don't know, making stuff up. You've been with Paul. Demas was with Paul. And Demas says, yeah, I think I had enough of this. I I love the world. We don't know what it was in the world. There's all kinds of things in the world. But in general, he loved the world. And he drifted away from Paul and drifted away from Christ because of the world and the flesh and the devil going to give you a hint in this next question. If you had to pick like the consummate example, the most horrific example of somebody who was with Christ and then drifted away, who's that? Yeah, that's Judas. Judas was never regenerate. He was never a true believer. He looked like one. He professed it. He performed miracles because Christ gave him power to, but he wasn't the real deal. And he ultimately betrayed Christ with a kiss for, what was it, 50 pieces of silver 30, sorry, thank you. I'm 69, I get to, all right. I didn't say 29, I got that number right. And he went out and hanged himself. Judas, the current, imagine this world's a river, the current of this world, the river, is designed by the God of this world to carry you away from Jesus Christ to carry you away from a word-based, rooted faith, to carry you away into false teachings and ungodly living. Right now we're seeing it. I'm sorry I have to repeat this so often. This is what's going on right now. It's the world on gender. It's the world on sexuality. It's the world on masculinity and femininity. It's the world on feminism. It's the world on naturalism. It's the world... The whole world is under the evil one casting crowns must have been reading Hebrews 2 when they wrote the words of this song it's a slow fade when you give yourself away it's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray And thoughts invade, choices made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Wow, thank you, casting crowns. Good job. There are some things we can identify. These things are often present when somebody drifts, when somebody falls off of Jesus Christ. What did they do? How'd they get there? They looked like a real sturdy believer the other day, and now here they are gone. What, what did they do? Number one, here's the thing that always contributes to a drift. You're leaving off with the means of grace. What are the means of grace? The means of grace are things God has put into the Christian life. God has put it into the Bible, and as you feed your soul on these means, they strengthen you and keep you alive in Christ. What are some of the means of grace? You're doing one right now. This is the premier one. This is the primary one. Gather with the people of God. What's another means of grace? Read the word of God in private or with family. What's another means of grace? Private prayer. What's another? Fellowship with godly and strong and edifying believers. What's another? Sharing the gospel with lost people. There are means of grace. God feeds our soul on these things. When you leave off with the means of grace... I'm worried about you. When COVID hit our land and our churches were shut down and we were one of the first to reopen around here. We gained a lot of people because of that, by the way. But when COVID shut down our churches, when our governor, I think being responsible because nobody knew yet, what is this thing? How bad is it going to be? We quickly found out not very bad, but in my opinion, but, but we shut down churches and that a lot of people stayed away from church for a year or two years, and I was deeply, pastorally concerned for their souls. A year away from God's central ordained means of grace, the gathered worship of the people of God, a year away from that is a dangerous year. I could name people who used to be part of Cornerstone Church who are no longer in Christ like they, who are saying, well, I don't know what I believe about anything else, but I'm holding on to Christ. Yeah, that's an imaginary Christ. That's one in your own imagination. That's not the Christ of the word of God. Leave off the means of grace and you're in trouble. Here's a second thing that often contributes to a drift. People get disappointed in God. Why do people get disappointed in God? Because they had false, not word-based, but feeling and me-based expectations for what the Christian life will be like. I thought that now that I have bowed the knee to Jesus as Lord, you would take care of me, Lord. I thought you would give me the thing I'm asking for. Why have you disappointed me? Where are you when I need you? I'm not so sure about this Christian life anymore. And you get disappointed in God because you entered the Christian life upon false premises. Here's why you enter the Christian life. Here's where you should be. Here are the right premises. I don't care what he brings into my life. He is sovereign. He is the potter. I am the clay. He can do with me as he wills. Oh, Lord, I bow and bless you. Have your way in your life, my life. Please give me grace because I'm weak. And again... Yet he slay me, I will praise him. So you want to be in that place where there's nothing the world can do to me, there's nothing that can happen to me that will cause me to respond and say, Huh? What, Lord? No, I've already fixed it in my soul. He is my sovereign. I am his slave. Whatever he brings, whatever my God ordains is right. Holy his will abideth. But if you don't have that fixed, and if you're operating on this feeling-based Christian life. Well, I feel like God blessed me because God did this for me and that really showed me his love. Then when you don't have that experience and it's the opposite thing and you didn't get the job or whatever, then your feelings lead you in another direction. It was all false to start with. It was feelings, not the word of God. Get disappointed with God. Here's a third thing that always contributes to a drift. It is enjoy bad company from a position of weakness or need. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. He only says that several times. So when he says that, why does he say that? Because he's worried you might be deceived about what he's about to say. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't think, oh no, not with me. I can be around that bad company. It won't affect me. You're deceived. Bad company corrupts good. Unless you're the stronger one. If you're with them because you're so strong in Christ, you want them to see the light, you can be with them. You can listen to all their junk. You can hear about all the stuff they do and you can just keep telling them, "Oh man, you need the Savior. Let me lead you to Christ." But if you're with them from a position of weakness, what do I mean by that? I I I need their friendship. Oh, you're in trouble. I, I, I need the fellowship I have fellowship I have with them. And they're ungodly. Oh, you're in trouble. Bad company corrupts good morals. The Steve Hartland paraphrase of that is if you run with a skunk, you're gonna stink. Here's another thing that usually contributes to a drift. To a falling away you dabble in sins and in the sins and philosophies of our day you realize when you dabble with a sin it's not done with you it always has plans to take you farther and then there's a farther and then there's a farther and pretty soon you're all the way away from Jesus Christ and people look at you and wonder how do you get there first dabbling that led to the second bigger one that led to the third bigger one and dabbling in the philosophies of our day. Here's one that I don't think I've mentioned here before, but this is a big one right now. It's it's a false view of love. How could it be wrong if it's love? Yes, I know that he is married to her, and I know he's off with her doing things, but it's love. How could it be wrong if it's love? Listen, it can be love and be very wrong. It is a forbidden love. You're not supposed to be loving her because you're married to her. You're supposed to be loving her like Christ loved the church. That's an evil love. There's evil love. There's wrong love. There's fallen love. There's forbidden love. We hear the same thing about, about gay marriage. What, what could possibly be wrong if, if they love one another and they want to be married? A lot. It's a forbidden thing. It's forbidden love. Every violation of God's commandments ultimately hurts people. That's why we care. Love does no harm to a neighbor. When you allow, when you go along with, when you affirm things that hurt people, you're doing harm to a neighbor. We're supposed to be the ones who tell the truth. We're supposed to be the ones who say, wait a minute, God's word says that's wrong. It's forbidden. And so I know it's going to hurt you. So I want to try and lead you out of that and to Christ. But you start dabbling in the sins and the philosophies of the day, good chance you're going down. What do we have to do? Pay close attention to the things that you have heard. So I want to ask you a very personal question. You don't, please don't answer it out loud. Well, you can if, it's, if you're answering affirmative. Are you? Has the Holy Spirit been searching you? What's the truth? Are you paying careful attention to the things that you have heard? Is that you? Is that your life? Do you really receive God's word with a good soil heart? Do you receive with meekness the engrafted word and rise up to be a doer, not a hearer only, deceiving yourself? Or are you drifting away? If you're drifting away, I have good news for you. This is still the day of grace. And you can still come right back to the Lord Jesus and say, oh, Lord Jesus, I repent. I'm so sorry. I don't know what got into me, but I'm back for you now. Is it possible, please, could you have mercy on a sinner like me? Can you receive me back? And it's still the day of grace. And there is a fountain that is open for sin and uncleanness, my friend long as you're breathing, it's still the day of grace. As long as you're breathing, you can still come to Jesus Christ. So you've been drifting away and this sermon's getting to you and you're realizing it. Come back, dear friend. Resolve. I will walk with Jesus Christ. Though he slay me, I will praise him. Now, the author wants to give us some, some more strong reasons not to drift away. Hebrews 2, 2 through the first part of verse 3. 4. Here's why he doesn't want you to drift away. Here's why he wants you to pay closer attention. Four, since the message declared by angels, that's the old covenant, that's the law, since that proved to be reliable in what sense? In this sense. And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Since that, he's going to argue from the lesser to the later, if in the law of Moses, if in the old covenant... Every violation of the covenant, God came down on, and he did again and again. They got into idols, and God judged them for their idols and judged them for their sins and judged them for their immorality under the lesser light of the old covenant law. If every transgression received a just retribution, now we get to the then, the greater thing. How shall we escape? Escape what? Judgment. The wrath of God? If we neglect, same ideas drift away, fall off of, if we neglect such a great salvation, lesser to the greater, great salvation. So if people who broke the law of Moses were judged by God, what if you walk away from Jesus Christ? God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, who came in flesh, the God-man, and told us the way of truth, and appointed apostles to write it for us, and they've passed it down to us carefully. How will we escape? The word escape could also be translated flee. It's the Greek word "ekfugo." If you read about Joseph and Potiphar's wife, and she had designs for Joseph, And she grabbed him once, and Joseph left his cloak in her hands, and he fled. And in the Greek translation, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's this word, "ekfugo." he fled. How shall we escape? How shall we flee judgment, hell, the wrath of God, if we neglect? All you have to do is neglect. Such a great salvation. How much greater is it? Verse 3b. It was declared at first by the Lord. Not Moses. Not just angels. The Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard. The author of Hebrews is saying, I'm not the Lord, and I'm not those who were immediately with the Lord. I'm in a third place. That could still be the apostle Paul, by the way. Or this is a big reason why people say, it's not Paul. That's another issue. But notice what he's saying, this message, if you ignore this, if you neglect this, it came from Jesus Christ, the son of God. It was attested to us by his apostles and God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. The signs, the wonders, the gifts to authenticate that their message was truly the word of God. How will we escape if we neglect that? signs and wonders. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, the signs of an apostle were worked among you with all perseverance. These signs were signs of apostles, not just of any ordinary Christian, they couldn't do them, but apostles could to authenticate the revelation that they were receiving from Jesus Christ and writing and giving to us. And all that is why, that's why you must pay close attention. All right, it's time for closing words. The word closing is always the cue. (laughs) So, five things in closing. One, I'll go through them kind of fast. One, you must pay close attention lest you drift. It's God's word to you. You're here today in the providence of God. Receive it. You must pay close attention lest you drift. You could drift. How can I not drift? How many in the room want to quote from the 1700s? Great Puritan, the greatest theologian of the Puritans. 1600s, pardon me. John Owen. How many want to hear from John Owen? All right. I'm reading his commentaries. It's six or seven volumes. And I'm reading through them as we go through Hebrews. And in the reading for this week, he said, diligent attention to the word of God is necessary for perseverance in Christ. That's Hebrews chapter two. How many of you wanna persevere? How many wanna keep on believing and arrive at the last day in Christ? Well, then diligent attention to the word of God is necessary. Three, you must mix the word with faith. That's gonna come later in the book of Hebrews. I believe your word, so I receive it and I act upon it. And number four, just a reminder, there's no escape if you turn away from Christ. And five, thank God, he has given us a firm foundation. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. God has given us a firm foundation. It's not feelings, it's not subjective, very objective. It's the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So you be that kind of person and stay in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Bow with me. Father, thank you for this time in your holy word. We pray for people who are hearing this message and are realizing they are in danger. and pray, oh God, that you might have mercy upon them and draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Effectually call them and draw them to Jesus Christ that they may truly bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, we want to persevere. We want to keep on believing and keep on repenting. We want to be found in Christ at judgment day. So we ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy when we sin against you. We pray, O Father, please do not let us drift. Do do not let us fall away. Do not let us neglect. May we actually be the people described by the text, giving careful attention to the things we have heard. Make us such people, we pray, O Lord. And we ask for all in the name of Jesus Christ with thanksgiving, amen.